I just want to welcome those who join us online. If you're new here today, welcome. We like to have fun here as well. We believe that uh, God's people should have fun, should have a good time. So anyway, we're glad you're here today. Before the message, I do just want to share a passage of Scripture with you that we've talked about before, very familiar during this season of time. It has to deal with the, the wise men. And uh, we know that the wise men, that there was how many of them? Well, we think there's three, but there, we don't really know that there's three. Actually, the Scripture doesn't say anything about what number there is. Um, there could have been multiple. We don't even know if Jesus was a baby. In fact, it's more likely that he was a little boy or a little child by the time the wise men got to him. What we do know, what, what we do know from Scripture is this. They came for a purpose. They came to worship. They came to worship by offering gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very good. Very good. So uh, that was factual. That was true. Here we are at Christmas celebrating King Jesus, and we have a great opportunity to respond to him as well as the wise men did. Um, We don't have a physical Jesus, um, and if we did, he wouldn't need anything from us anyway. He doesn't need anything from us, but how can we also respond like the wise men did? We can give of ourselves uh, things that bring pleasure to him. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, we are told there are three things that we can bring to God that give him pleasure. Those three things are the fruit of our lips, which is what we just did. We just sang. We gave God praise. We give him glory. Uh, When we encourage one another and share things, I mean, it feels good to have positive, encouraging words said to us. We know words can destroy as well, but we just gave the fruit of our lips, praise to God. The second and third gifts are doing good and sharing with others from Hebrews chapter 13 is what it says. Uh, For the last couple weeks, we've been talking about the Christmas offering. It's one of the ways that we can do good and share with others. And uh, one of the ways that we've been talking about this year is one is to unleash compassion on our world through supporting our Nazarene missions in 162 countries around the world. And the other is to um, also raise up the next generation and to reach wide by making a great first impression. Uh, When people come to our children's wing for the first time, we're going to do a great remodel of our children's lobby and our children's theater. We believe these are things that God wants us to do this year, but those two things are outside the normal operating budget that we have. So if you gave last week, first of all, I just want to say thank you for that. I also want to say if you haven't given, it's not too late. Uh, We won't announce those results until Christmas Eve services. You can give online. You can also give in the boxes in the back. Just make sure it says Christmas offering. And I don't get to say this all the time because I'm not the one always doing the offering time, but for all the giving and gifts that you give all year long, thank you. That is what, uh, how we do ministry around here. That supplies everything that we do is the generosity. So thank you for that. Well, we're in a series called Missing Peace. And I don't know if you remember dates very well, different things. Uh, Do you remember what you're doing on New Year's Eve uh, 2012? Anybody remember what they're doing on New Year's Eve? I don't, I don't remember what. But 2019, for whatever reason, New Year's Eve, I can remember what we were doing. I'm so glad my girls are home. Uh, but that was getting the season and time when, you know, there's more fun things to do with being mom and dad. So Christmas Eve, I mean, sorry, New Year's Eve 2019, um, they went out with friends. And none of you invited Heather or I to do anything. So we had to come up with a date night. So we went to Wichita and uh, we went out to, out to dinner. We gave, got a hotel. We didn't want to we'd drive safely. We wanted to come back in the morning. So, but we were, we were actually, it was, I remember that day and that night because we had high hopes. 
We had big dreams for 2020. I mean, uh, one of those things were uh, we were, had been without a, youth, a high school youth pastor for about four months, and I'd just gotten word from one of my pastor friends um, who now is in Florida that gave me the, a name of a potential high school pastor and his wife, and uh, we were real excited about that. It actually turned out pretty well, and uh, Brandon and Caitlin uh, joined us here on staff. Um, February, I was going to Kenya. Uh, for a trip. I was excited about that. In, in uh, April, I mean, excuse me, in May, uh, R- Riley was going to graduate from high school. Reagan was enjoying a great sophomore year. But then we all know what happened. Come March 2020, everything came to a screeching halt. And to say that 2020 was a disappointment, not that nothing good happened. There was good things happened in 2020. But overall, collectively, as a people, as a country, as a world, 2020 was a huge disappointment. Uh, schools, businesses, churches shut down. Um, even when we were um, interviewing Brandon and Caitlin, they came on a Friday night. Saturday, we, we uh, met with them in the morning. Then we made the decision that night, I mean, that afternoon, that we were canceled church for the first time. Heather and I, we said, who cares about being a good host? We hope you come, but goodbye, see you later. We went up to Chicago, picked up Reagan, brought her home, and uh, fortunately, they still came. Uh, we, we, uh, we had many other, th- other disappointments. You've had them. Uh, you know, there was uh, college that year for Riley. Uh, her, she was looking forward to her freshman year because of all the things Reagan said she had to look forward to. Most of those things they canceled, they didn't do. Um, those, and in fact, how they ate dinner as freshmen, you had to go get your tray. You went into the cafeteria, you left, and you had to go back to your dorm room. You had to eat it with just your roommate. You couldn't eat with anyone else. Um, or they find you for doing that. And so that was the freshman life that year. So just a lot of disappointments. For some of you, it was worse. Some of you, you didn't get the opportunity to go to school and, and classes were canceled. Um, graduations, proms were canceled. Some of you had special trips planned that year that were canceled. Some of you had holiday traditions that were canceled and you didn't meet with family. It was a disappointment. Today's message in our series, Missing Peace, this is the title of the message. What do you do when you're disappointed by God. What do you do when you're disappointed by God, when you feel God has let you down? For that, we're gonna go to a a story we all love, a Christmas story, Luke chapter two, uh, the Christmas story, reminding us that if we've been talking about this, um, coming up upon the Christmas story, there'd been 400 years of darkness, uh, 400 years of spiritual darkness, 400 years where there was no prophet, Uh, speaking to the people. So God's voice had gotten silent. Uh, God is seemingly absent. But then the shepherds in the fields appeared, uh, the angels appeared to them. And here's where we love this story. Verse 10, don't be afraid, the angel said, I bring you good news. Who's ready for some good news this morning? It's coming. Not right away, but it's coming. We have good news today that will bring great joy. And I'm thankful for that one hand that's excited about good news today. Everyone else, I guess you don't want it. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly, snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. This Savior had been born, offering us forgiveness, hope, healing, it said that there, was, there would be a sign, the sign that was not what we had expected of a king. He didn't come into royalty. He, didn't, he wasn't born into a king's palace. 
Um, he, he wasn't born with a crown. And no, the sign was, you will find a baby wrapped in snuggly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Uh, it, it, that manger was, it was a cave. It was a hallowed out cave wrapped in burial rags. It was a sign of what Jesus' life would be, that he came born to die. Now, we're all going to die. We know when we're born, we're all going to die. But Jesus was born to die. That was his purpose. And, of course, the resurrection that we're thankful for. But that was the sign, wrapped in burial in clothes in a hallowed cave. But then, suddenly, an angel was joined by a vast host of others. And the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Peace on earth, except it was not a time of peace. It was not a time of peace. It wasn't the pretty little manger that most of us probably have somewhere. Some of you are collectors of mangers. You have multiple mangers. Uh, when we first moved here, our first Christmas, uh, Joan Doskasil began to give us a willow tree nativity pieces. Um, if you don't know John Doskasil, it's just because you're new, and, uh, but she has been around here forever. She moved away this last year after her husband died. She's just a saintly, godly woman, and every Christmas we look forward to a piece of that nativity scene. It started off with Mary and Joseph and the baby, and then the next year, you know, we got a couple wise men, then we, the next year we'd get a couple, uh, you know, shepherds, and then we'd get, I mean, last year when she gave us the last piece, we we're like, what else is there to give us? There's nothing. We're going to have to do something else because we'd gotten all the sheep, and we'd gotten the donkey, we'd gotten the camel. I mean, we had everything, and every Christmas, uh, we can't help but think of Joan when we look at our TV because below that, on the, that hutch there or that end, that table is that nativity scene. It's beautiful. It's clean, it's pretty, it's neat, it's tidy. Everything goes in just probably the same order that yours goes in on yours at home. But that's not reality. That wasn't the Christmas story. It's been cleaned up. Let's try to imagine what things were really look like back then, the real story of Joseph and Mary. Uh, a young couple with big dreams and high hopes. Heather and I went to a, a wedding last night in Sterling, and a young couple, and you could tell in the ceremony, they had big dreams and high hopes. Nothing like the wedding and nothing like the honeymoon. They were excited. They had life by the tail. Heather, and we remember that. You remember those days. We, we remember, I remember uh, back, it took me, last night took me to memories back when I proposed to Heather. I was at the top of Crown Center. We were in the glass elevator. I waited till it got to the top, hit the stop button, and uh, we weren't at the skies across the way because it costs way more money than I could afford, but I did splurge. We ate at the top of Crown Center, and when we got out, I, I had uh, glass looking over the city, and, uh, you know, I got down on that one knee. I looked her in the eyes, and I remember saying these words, Heather, the sky's the limit. I know, really corny. <laughs> but I believed it, and she bought it. And I, I didn't even know what was up and what was down to say the sky's the limit, but I didn't know what, the, what it was. But it was because we had big dreams. I, was, I knew my job was going into the sales position. Um, I was going to make lots of money. We were going to be rich. And uh, then uh, they had these trips that you could earn every year, and I was going to win all the trips. We were going to go all places all around the world. I had life figured out. We'd walk by homes on this beautiful walk in Olathe that had this trail, and the back of the homes had these white picket fences 
in these beautiful big homes and we imagine ourselves in there and then sometimes we'd be driving and we'd look in the back seat of our car and they were, it was empty, but we'd imagine uh, for Heather, a couple girls, and me, it was a couple boys, but I'm so glad it turned out the way it did. I'm thankful for my two beautiful daughters. But we would look back and we'd be like, man, there's gonna be kids back here in car seats and screaming and crying and yelling and fighting. And we were, we just were excited by the future. Joseph and Mary, they were real people, just like you and me. They were just like us. They had dreams. They had high hopes. Just imagine Joseph was a professional and established carpenter. He was good at what he, is, what he was doing. And he came across a hot, young-looking babe. I can only imagine because that's why, why did he ask her out because he thought she was good-looking. And so he was like, hey, babe, or hey, Mary. And, uh, and so Mary comes along. She meets this handsome older man. Um, he's, he's established. He's got a good paying job. And she's thinking, man, this is going to be good. He's good looking. He's going to provide for our family. This is, this is going the way I'd planned it, the way I dreamed it. They go on their first date. Things progress quickly. Joey gets down on one knee. I, I say Joey because Joseph just doesn't seem real, right? I mean, it's Joseph and Mary. No, this is Joey. He's a young man. I mean, he gets down on one knee. He looks up and he says, hey, Mary. I mean, he doesn't even say Mary because he's got nicknames when you're young. He's like, hey, Mary, uh, you know, sky's the limit, babe. <laughs> Look at the stars. See how they're numbered. I want to give you children. I want to bless your life. You're, and, and she bought it and she said yes. And they began to have uh, dreams of having babies together. I'm sure Joseph was thinking of little boys that he was going to train to fish and hunt and take over the carpentry business. And Mary began to think of little girls and how they were going to be her BFFs. And they were going to talk into the wee hours of the night and have all sorts of fun. And then God interrupts their plans. The angel appears and says to Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and you're going to give birth to a child and you're going to give him the name Jesus. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the Savior of the world. He's going to save people from their sins. And she had this divine moment with God. I mean, I get, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it was a divine moment, an angel. I mean, how many of you have had an angel appear to you in the last year or two? Don't raise your hand. I'm going to think you're crazy. I mean, how many of you think, I mean, an angel appeared, showed up out of nowhere and tells her this miraculous news and she's all excited. She's been chosen and she's like, man, I got to, who's she going to go tell? I'm going to go tell my BFF. I'm going to go tell Joey. Joey's got to hear this news. And she goes, Joey, you're not going to believe this. This is unbelievable news. This is so crazy. It's the craziest thing that's ever happened. You won't believe how crazy it is. You won't believe how, I, I just, let me tell you what happened. And she tells him what happened, everything that happened. And Joey hears two words. He didn't hear anything else. Here's two words, crazy and unbelievable. And immediately he's, he's not buying this. He's like, this is, this is not, and she's crushed. They're, 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 think about it in this moment, they're, they're, their dreams are starting to crash before them. And, and we can lose sight of the emotions. So we get lost in the cute little story that we tell our children. But think of the emotions that they went through. I don't know about you if you've ever watched anybody have a breakup or especially um, uh, after a long time together or uh, an engagement. I had three friends in college. Um, as I said in the first service, I need to correct myself in the second service again. I had more than three friends, but I had three friends specifically that broke up. My, my roommate, my, one of my college roommates, 
He'd been dating a gal freshman through junior year. Um, they were serious. And a little bit right at the beginning of his senior year, he broke up with her. He called it off. Um, I think of two friends that they called off their engagement. One, two months before the wedding date. One, two weeks before the wedding date. And regardless of whether it was a decision that was good or whether it was a God decision, whatever, whatever caused it, no matter what, just imagine the emotions of that. Imagine their family's emotions. I can just imagine a dad of his daughters with a shotgun just waiting for a young man to show up on his porch. I mean, he's angry. He's mad. He just broke his little girl's heart. Uh, I, I can just, you can just imagine the emotions of, of feeling hurt and brokenhearted, deep sadness, anger, bitterness, resentment, embarrassment, humiliation. I mean, the invitations have been sent. Everyone's received them, and now you're having to call off the wedding and share with everyone that it's not going to happen and the humiliation and the embarrassment of that. Joseph and Mary were real people with real dreams that had been crushed. And think about Joseph and Mary. They hadn't done anything wrong. They hadn't done anything wrong. They didn't, neither one had done anything to deserve this. And we're all sinners. They were sinners. We all have done things to fall short of the glory of God. But they were endeavoring to walk with God. They were endeavoring to live for God. They were endeavoring to honor God. Uh, they, they, they were seeking to do what was right. Mary trusted God. She was following his plan. So when Joseph tells her, you know, I'm going to, I'm just not buying this. I, I'm going to be a gentleman about it, but I'm going to quietly uh, divorce you. And here's the thing about uh, divorce or breaking off an engagement. The Jewish culture, at least back then, was different. We have an engagement and then you're married. And in that engagement, it's kind of a trial period. And, you know, sometimes you go, yeah, it's pretty serious, but also it's better off to break that engagement than to, to go down a path that it's not really maybe God's will or not the best path. And, and in their particular case, um, there was a two-step process in the Jewish culture. When you got engaged... You were, it was really, it was the first part of kind of being married, except you didn't consummate the marriage, you didn't come together. But you, if you died during that engagement, if the, if the husband or if the, if the man died during that engagement, the woman was considered a widow at that point. You know, you wouldn't think that, but that's how it worked. That was their culture. So when the engagement was a serious deal. And so he broke off the engagement. And uh, Joseph tells her what he's thinking. And Mary had to be thinking, man, God, I'm following you. I I'm trusting you. This isn't how it's supposed to be. This is not what I signed up for. Where are you? What's happened? I trust you. And I, I have to believe that Mary was disappointed because Mary was fully human. Joseph was fully human. I have to believe that both of them were crushed. Their dreams had been shattered. You may have been there. You were even trusting God, or maybe you're going through it now, or you're even trusting God now. In fact, you have complete faith, but all you have to show for your complete faith and trust, you feel like right now, is disappointment. And disappointment in God. And you're wondering why and what and what's happening. Maybe you've been trusting in God. Uh, in fact, maybe you have faith that can move mountains, but yet... There's no cure. There's no miracle that's taken place that you've been praying for. Maybe you wanted a baby, but you haven't been able to conceive. Or maybe you've lost a child, and the, you can't imagine a greater disappointment than that. 
disappointed with God. Maybe you want to be married, but there's no prospects in sight. Or Mary, you were married, and then your dreams were crushed through divorce. Or maybe you're married now, but marriage is seemingly a disaster. It wasn't what the plan. It wasn't what you signed up for. And you're saying, God, I don't understand. If you want to follow along in your notes, I want to share with you a couple things. Two truths to help you when you don't understand. Two truths to help us when we don't understand. The first one uh, is this. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Thank God for the purpose that he has for us. Because there's some things in this life without believing that God has a purpose for us and we're going to work through that, we have no hope if there's no purpose, if, there, if there's not a purpose in God's plans. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. When we have purpose, we can endure. I mean, you think about it in sports. Uh, you think about three days, you endure hard practices and training, or you're getting ready for a half marathon or for a full marathon, and you run and you put your body through, through uh, great stress. I mean, you go through pain, you go through injuries, but there's a purpose, there's a plan, there's a reason. So you're willing to go through that because there's a payoff, there's something at the end. Or maybe it's, you know, you're training hard for maybe education for a degree or advanced degree or a doctorate or whatever, and and you're sacrificing, you're sacrificing money, time, sleep, and, and, but there's a purpose, there's a payoff, there's a plan, and and so you see that there's a purpose in the plan. All three of my friends that broke it off with their girls, two through the engagement, one just a long relationship, I knew all three guys, and I knew all three girls, and I knew them all well. And here's what I knew about all six of them. They were all great people. In fact, they were great people that were endeavoring to follow God. They weren't perfect, but they were endeavoring to follow God, to live for him. And I thought about that, and I thought about how hindsight we can look back on things and go, you know what? Sometimes we have to look way back to go, you know what? God is working. There was a purpose and a plan, but we didn't understand it. Of those six individuals... Of those three couples, there's five marriages. Uh, Five people got married to different people that hadn't come into their lives. Uh, The one, surprisingly, the one that broke it off two weeks before before the wedding, a year later, they got married. They have five kids today. They've been married over 25 years. Those other two couples didn't always work out this way. Each of them have been married for over 25 years. They have 15 kids between them. And I believe every single one of them would, they don't, they don't even know I'm talking about them today, and, but if, if, if everyone was standing up here before you, I think everyone would say, I'm so glad that it was God's plan and not my plan. I believe every single one of them would say, I'm with the person that God wanted me to be, and it didn't make sense at the time, but God has a plan. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. Mary and Joseph's plans were wrecked. They were disappointed. And they were saying, now what? Verse 20. But after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph had a purpose. Joseph now had a purpose, and so he could trust God's plan. It didn't make sense. Never happened in the history of the world before. Would never happen in the history of the world again. But Joseph could endure now. Joseph had a purpose, and Joseph could proceed with God's plan. God, you have a purpose in the pain. Maybe you've had things not going according to plan in in your life. I was thinking last week before the service, before first service, I was out in the children's area and I was talking with Pastor Christy, our children's pastor. And I was just saying, how you doing? By the way, you can be really praying for them. They're going through it. I mean, her mom's been battling cancer for five years. These last several months have been incredibly hard, incredibly difficult, and it's only gotten harder um, last night, they had a, uh, her brother and sister uh, brought her home from California because she couldn't get on a plane. And so a couple stops at hospitals finally got here in the wee hours of the morning. I'm not here to repeat and share the whole story. I just say this. They're going through it. Pastor Nate and Pastor Christy could use your prayers. So I encourage you to pray for them. But last week as I was talking with Christy before the, the, the services that day, I said, Christy, how you doing? And she said, you know, God has given me a peace. And then her next words were, but I've learned that peace doesn't mean there's not pain. Her heart's breaking. There's pain. But God has given her a peace. Peace is not, we even talked about this last week, I believe. Peace is not the absence of pain. You may not understand the plan now. Maybe we won't understand it until we're in eternity, but you can trust that God has a purpose. And it doesn't mean we understand it. It doesn't mean there's not pain in it. But God has a purpose and a plan. God has a divine appointment. God has an eternity with us in mind. I mean, we're all going to die, friends, every single one of us. Every one of us has a destiny. But God has a purpose even in our death. That's why he came to die, to, to defeat our enemy of death and be raised to life so that we can experience a resurrection. You may not understand it, but we can trust that God has a purpose and he may have a divine appointment. After 25 years of living in China and Hong Kong for the last 10 or so, uh, my uncle and aunt uh, were scheduled in late 2019. They were going to come home. They were getting older. It's time to come home to family, wrap up his business pursuits and those things. So they moved out of their uh, high-ride duplex, whatever it was, Uh, They moved out of that and they moved into a hotel. They were going to live there a few months and then they were going to move here. But something happened in 2020 and travel stopped. And what was supposed to be a hotel room for a few weeks turned into over two years. And they're very private people. They're they're kind of the, you have a, we're not supposed to have favorites, but you probably all have the favorite aunt and uncle. They're the favorite aunt and uncle because they had no children. So all their nieces and nephews got lots of attention when they were around, uh, lots of gifts. They, they had resources most of their years, and so they lavished. They took my parents on trips. They were just generous. They were kind, but they were private, and, and they, was, things were personal. And I might, maybe there was some pride, but even as relatives the last few years have tried to reach out to them to offer some help, they politely declined it, said they're fine. But as my uncle died this last spring and my aunt called my mom, it's my mom's best friend, is her younger sister, and her, her sister called her and said, I just lost the love of my life. 
and he died in a Chinese hospital. And uh, she said, can I come home? And they said, of course, you come home. You're welcome to come home with us. And so they were making those plans, and they began to make plans on our end, but unbeknownst to us, we didn't hear for her from three days and three nights. I mean, she just went silent. We, we began to think and understand that maybe the Chinese government had something to do with this. And so anyway, long story short, she was two hours, less than two hours after her husband had passed away in that hospital, she was placed in a Chinese prison. 78 years old, spent on a hard cylinder block at night, uh, spent three nights there. And you say, why? What has she done? She, it didn't, the, the punishment did not fit the, the crime. She had, her and her husband had let their visas expire. And, and we're now looking back at some things and thinking, man, I think, we don't know because they were private. We don't know. But we kind of think we figured things out. We think they lost it all. We think they had nothing. Wedding ring was sold. Came back and the family had to pay their way to get back. I don't say any of this to dishonor them. I actually want to honor them saying this. They had a great, strong faith and trust in God. And I know when my aunt got back two weeks later after her husband passed and she was back at my parents' home in Branson, um, she said, I wasn't scared. In that prison, I wasn't scared because I had Jesus with me. I wasn't afraid because I knew he was with me. In the next seven, eight, the next eight months, she would spend with my parents. Shortly thereafter, um, she was under 100 pounds because cancer ravaged her body and then um, eventually died of kidney failure a couple weeks ago. But even then, the last couple weeks, she would say, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid. I have peace. God is with me, and I'm going to see Jesus, and I'm going to see David. I am not afraid. Now, she said this, I don't look forward between now and the death date. I'm not looking forward to that. My 100-year-old grandma, my mom's grandmother used to say, she lived 100 years old. She says, I'm not afraid to die, but I'd like to choose how and when. I'd like to be in the middle of the night in my sleep. That's how we'd all like it to go. But she wasn't afraid. She had a peace. And so the last week or so, I've noticed my sister and cousins, they've been starting to post pictures because we start to go through their belongings. And there's pictures of when our kids were young and them loving our kids, the favorite aunt, the favorite great aunt and uncle. And uh, we were going through those things, and I remembered that right when I came here as your pastor, my uncle from China had sent me an email. It was dated June 13, 2014. And uh, you know a little bit of this now. Someday I'll share the whole story. It's just not. Maybe it'll be a book someday. But I'll just tell you, we came here confused. We came here disappointed. We came here a little broken. We didn't understand God's plan. We believed that he was in it, but we didn't understand it. We believed he had a purpose, but we didn't understand it. And as we came here on that Sunday, my close family members knew that. My uncle, even though he's in China, he knew everything that had been happening going on. And so he sent this email to me and on, dated the day before I preached my first message here. It was simply said, peace in all situations. That's how he titled the email. Peace in all situations. And he says, hi, Kent, my prayers are with you and Heather as you begin your new ministry. I think, God is in, I think God is preparing a special blessing for you and Heather there. And I think that blessing will include your precious girls. And then he gave the scripture, Isaiah 41, 13. How many times do we hear God say, be not afraid, do not fear, fear not. Here it is again, Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one 
who helps you. And then he said, below is an uplifting poem from my devotional today. It made me think of you all sincerely, Uncle David. Now I wanted to share this poem in closing with you today because I want it to be maybe yours. It was mine on June 13, 2014, and it was comforting words as we move forward into an unknown future that we had not planned. And maybe you're here today and you're looking at an unknown future. Maybe you're looking at some things in your life that you're, you're just disappointed. And disappointed is an understatement. And you're not just disappointed, but if you're honest, and God can handle this. He's a big God. He's got big shoulders. But you find yourself, you're disappointed by God. If you're watching online, you're feeling that way. Maybe it's a relationship. It hasn't worked out the way you'd hoped. It's, you're disappointed. Maybe it's health that hasn't worked out the way that you'd hoped. Maybe it's a future and a dream that you had. It hasn't worked out the way you'd hoped. And you find yourself today, you're disappointed. Maybe you're even disappointed with God. I want to share, I'm not a poet. I don't really read poems that often, but this has been special to me. And I, if you're in that situation today, I pray that you'll just own it as yours, that it's God speaking to you. I don't even know who the poet is. It was SLP. Maybe someone can tell me afterwards. My peace I give in times of deepest grief, imparting calm and trust and my relief. My peace I give when prayer seems lost, unheard. Know that my promises are ever in my word. My peace I give when you're all left alone. He nightingale at night has sweetest tone. My peace I give in times of utter loss. The way of glory leads right to the cross. My peace I give when my enemies will blame. Your fellowship is sweet through cruel shame. My peace I give in agony and sweat. My own brow with bloody drops was wet. My peace I give when nearest friend betrays. Peace that is merged in love and them and for them praise. My peace I give when there's but death for thee. The gateway is the cross to get to me. Would you stand with me this morning? The gateway to peace is through the cross. The gateway to peace is through Christ. Would you pray with me? Your head's bowed, your eyes closed. No one looking around. I'm not here to embarrass or call anyone out, but I just have a feeling I'm not the only one that's felt disappointments before. And maybe you're going through some disappointments now. No one's looking around. This is just you and me and God. I just want to want to just pastor you for a moment. I want to pray for you. But you're reaching out to God saying, God, I trust you and I need your help, but I don't understand it. I don't know what it is. It doesn't important that I know, but God knows what it is. We just raise your hand. You just want prayer today. You're, you have disappointments. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You leave them up for a minute because there's a lot of you. You put them down. It's okay. You may not understand the plan, but you can trust that he has a purpose. I don't understand it. I don't know what you're going through, but God knows what you're going through. And God is saying, you can trust me. My right hand is right there holding you. 
I will walk through with this. You're not alone. Thankfully, we have a God who knows what it's like to take on our flesh and humanity. He was fully human, yet fully God. He felt everything that we have felt. He's experienced every disappointment, hurt, struggle. We don't have a God who doesn't empathize. Father, for my friends today, who by faith have lifted a hand saying, God, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But God, I trust you. I wanna trust you. I trust that you have a plan, that you have a purpose even in a plan that doesn't make sense to me, that you have a destiny in a, in a destination even though I don't understand it. And Lord, I pray today for my friends, whether online or in this room, that they would sense the peace of God that surpasses all their understanding. As Pastor Christie said, it doesn't mean it's an absence of pain, but there can be a peace in the middle of the storm. There can be a peace in the pain. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would impart peace right now into their spirit, that they would sense and feel your loving arms wrapped around them as a child of yours. And with your heads bowed and your eyes so closed this morning, maybe you have not received the Prince of Peace. Maybe you have not received Jesus as your Savior. And the road to peace is through nothing else than through Jesus Christ. And today, you want to leave with the peace of God in your heart today. No one's looking around, eyes are closed, but you just raise your hand. I just want to pray a simple prayer. I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you. Just raise your hand if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you who just raise your hand, just, in fact, I'm just going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray it out loud, so we're not praying alone. But we just, everyone share this prayer together. Um, and let's all pray this together with our friends that have raised their hand. Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Come into my life. Forgive me. Make me a brand new person. And help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And Heavenly Father, I pray for those that have received that prayer by faith. You tell us that anyone who earnestly seeks you, you'll not turn away, but you'll make them a child of God. You'll make them the old is gone, the new has come. They're a new creation in Christ. So Lord, we welcome those who have, have prayed this prayer in sincerity today. We welcome them into the family of God. Lord, I pray that they would sense right now your peace, your love, the hope that you have for them. Father, we praise you and we thank you for this Christmas season. I pray for my friends that are going through many battles and many things in their health and their relationships and their emotions. Lord, may we trust in you even when it doesn't make sense. We love you today. Bring us back together, uh, Christmas Eve services, and may we be a light in our world this week. And all God's people said amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day.